This week's a major spoilers podcast goes out to J. Michael T., my old buddy. This one goes out to you. I'm going to make something funny up, but uh, probably not tonight. But if it makes you feel any better, what? Okay. Let's try that again. <laughs> ah, screw it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Got total podcast breakdown already. <laughs> Three seconds in, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new record. Uh, should we re-record that? No. No. Let's do it live. <laughs> okay. okay. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we wonder why they ever canceled it in the first place, discuss how we read the original issues, and also, we like it. Remember, there's no business like show business so long as you show up in first place. And if you're coming back from the future, we have no shoes. Rodrigo reminds you never to invite him into the house as it renders you powerless, silly boy. I'm looking for a place called Leho Pork to get a big dish of beef chow mein, and Steven is alive! Alive! So I came up with this new reality game show idea recently. It's called The Old Game. You get three old guys with loaded guns on stage. You show them clips, and you talk about their lives and see who they were and what they accomplished and how close they came to realizing their dreams. And the winner is the one who doesn't shoot himself in the head. He gets a refrigerator. The Major Spoilers Podcast is here with more stuff! On the air. Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you could join us this week. Yay! Or as Matthew would say in college, I didn't know we were coming apart. Oh, We've got a lot of bad. stuff coming up on this show, including a discussion of Legends of the Dark Knight of Venom, which why plays is, a big important role years, years, years later. By the way, it is but we'll get to that. Venom. We'll get to that later. First, let's Venom. get to some news. Got three items this week of varying importance. The first one being Alpha Flight goes from a miniseries oh, to ongoing. Canada. Those Nike Air Mags that uh, Michael J. Fox wore in Back to the Future are now a reality. Sort of. And Highlander is getting a remake and a director. There can be only one unless it sells well, at which point there will be a two. Actually, I think there were five and a TV series. Or two. Let's spin that wheel of destiny and see where we land. One, two, or three. Wheel goes around, and it stops there on the Nike Air Mag shoes. Get everyone excited, but then they get really, really sad. So uh, uh, last Sunday, or last week, I think, a um, uh, little blip up on the Twitter. Hey, something big is coming. I can't tell you about it. And then there was a mysterious link to a video that was called Michael or uh, called uh, Marty McFly's Closet. And inside were thousands and thousands of those cool Nike shoes that auto laced hmm. from Back to the Future 2. And then the next day we heard that Nike was going to make a big announcement and they had invited select press members to the uh, conference. And they sent them a big invitation box that contained a pair of of uh, Doc Brown's sunglasses from the future and Doc Brown saying you're about to see some serious shit. And then... Uh, hey, we don't curse well, here. That's what, I didn't... Doc Brown said that. Oh, my bad. And then 
The big unveil. Yes, indeed. Now, here's another th- clue. People went back and found out that, indeed, in 2009, Nike did create a patent for auto-lacing sneakers nice. using this exact same design. And then the big announcement came. 11.30 p.m., like on a Monday night. Everybody was excited. Yes, indeed, the shoes exist. Yes, indeed, they do light up. No, they don't auto-lace because those don't become available until 2015. Hmm. Oh, Aww. and by the way, Nike's only making 1,500 pair of these. And oh, by the way, you can only get them on an eBay auction, and all Aww. proceeds go to the Michael J. Fox uh, Foundation for Parkinson's Research. Hmm. So well, on the one cool. hand, it's really cool that they're creating these shoes to uh, to go to charity. But on the other hand, no auto laces. Ain't hardly anybody going <laughs> to get a pair of these. Uh, the first night of auctions, though was insane i think the next day there was a pair that went for like thirty thousand dollars they're putting i think uh, 15 pair uh for sale for 10 days in a row Uh, i think it's that way no 15 for no 150 for 10 days that'll be 1500 shoes um first pairs were going for like twenty nine thousand. those kinds of things they're only available for one day they're all one day auctions rodrigo Mm -hmm. so right now here are the size 10s uh there's a pair for 1700 and it's got uh, a day left. There's a pair for 2400 There's a pair for $2,900. Uh, there's a pair for 3700 So the price seems to maybe not be as high as it was on day one. Mm-hmm. So people who watch, watch this auction, you might find out that you can pick up a pair for about $1,500 uh, in a couple of days if you want them. Rodrigo, what do you think of this? Um, Let's see. It's cool that they did them. Unfortunately, that they didn't do them right yeah cool that they're helping charity completely pointless to me as as a, as a collector's item largely because i'm not a collector and the other part be, you know going back to the whole they don't auto lace mm-hmm. and stuff like that tell me when they come up with those wakeboards or whatever they do have a patent for the auto lace technology they've right. got it in there it's not 2015 yet and they've repeated that many many times right, right. which makes me think a that this auction for charity is to get rid of all their prototypes Makes sense. And in the next couple of years, if not sooner, we will see these being offered as officially licensed collector's item shoes mm-hmm. for about 150 bucks a pair. And they will feature the auto, auto lace technology. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Matthew, what do, you, what do you think about this? Great Scott. Um, well, I think it kind of, for me, it, it boils down to uh, I'm halfway between don't care and, oh, because it, it, on the one hand, I love the fact that they're auctioning the shoes for charity. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good charity. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that, you know, it's, it's something that makes sense based on the actual, you know, the actors and, and the properties involved, you know? Right. And then I think to myself, who has $30,000 to spend on a pair of shoes? Well, I'll tell you. Thanks for asking. I think that most of these $30,000 pairs, those early pairs that sold for that much, aren't going to to individuals. They're going to companies, stores, to collectors who are going to turn around and try and double or triple that money. Mm-hmm. I think that if you spend thirty grand on a pair of shoes, it's not, I want to have a pair of these awesome shoes. It's, I think there's a market to where I can make forty grand off them in a month. And so I think that you know there are, there are speculator mentalities at play here that make me sad. Mm-hmm. Now, what was I well? There are some individuals that bought the shoes, and then they were just like, "Oh, I got all so caught up in the excitement that I just kept bidding and bidding and bidding." Of course, these are 
you know, celebrities that are that are doing this. Did Nicolas Cage do it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look and see. Um, Nicolas Cage and uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray and yeah. uh, that one guy who played Blue in Old School. So there are some a couple of other things that, you know, first I was like, oh, man, if these are 150 bucks a pair, I'm buying like two Carol pair of them. Channing. You know, and then I heard that there was a limited edition. I was like, ooh, maybe they'll be, you know be 500 a pair and then i saw people were selling for thirty thousand. and then after the auction went live and you start reading the fine print question do the 2011 nike mag shoes power lace no for the power lace feature you will have to wait until 2015 mm-hmm. which makes it sound like they're probably not screwing around with you since this is a right. serious auction um let's see there was a statement in here about how you're really not supposed to wear the shoes. Right. Because they're not for walking around and they're not for, uh, you know, actual wearing. They're for, you know, display. display. Yeah, yeah, Um They're purely decorative shoes. Yeah, decorative shoes, which then I was like, what? You got to be kidding me. And then if you're spending, you know, 3000 30000 whatever it is, you don't get that cool carrying case where you flip the switch and it, the plastic goes transparent so you can see what's inside. Come on! They come in a yellow box. I'm not excited about that. So I was very excited about this. Now I'm not so much. Mm-hmm. Let me wait another couple of years. Plus, I don't know if I would have actually worn these around in public if they were real wearable you shoes. Would. I probably would. Especially if they had the power would. laces. Because everybody would be like, let's see the power laces. I don't think that would have been the case. I think you would have been very frustrated in that you would have walked into your classrooms and been like, hey guys, look. And they would have been like, <laughs> like what, is, else. what is that? Yeah, those are some ugly looking shoes. Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, from Back to the Future, they'd be like... Back to the what? What to the well, future? Well, you know, here's the other thing, too. We've been seeing a lot of... We saw Doc Brown in the uh, viral commercial. Uh-huh. Uh, we've seen this Twitter from... Uh, is it Frank Marshall? Yeah, one of the producers saying, hey, there's some big news coming down the, the pipe. And we're seeing the shoes being released, you know, and my age people probably would have that disposable income. Maybe not Rodrigo's generation or the younger generation may not have that much disposable income. Not that much disposable income? Yeah, Certainly yeah. not. That is that <laughs> is a, more than like I make year. in a year. Yeah, that is more than I make in a year. Yes. Uh, there is some speculation, and let me throw this out there, that they may be remaking Back to the Future. Oh. <gasps> Is George Lucas involved? I don't think George Lucas is involved, but this is a rumor that I've heard a couple of times on a very various websites. And on the one hand, I can understand wanting to remake Back to the Future because it's a very, very popular franchise. And let's face it, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, I mean, Christopher Lloyd probably could, but Michael J. Fox simply cannot do a sequel sure. to that movie. But they could get somebody new, something that's hip, somebody that's hip. Uh, uh, one Charles name that Fleischer I heard is Doc Brown. One name that I heard. Uh-huh. Justin Bieber. Nice. <sighs> Could be worse. Could be Shia LaBeouf. No, no, no. No, no, Shia no. LaBeouf is too old. He's actually too old for that. But Justin Bieber He's is like right 30. there in that group. And you talk about the, the Bieberites, the Bieberheads, the Bieber mm-hmm. fans. They would go out in droves, and that would be their gener- that'll be their generation that movie. I mean, we've already seen we've already seen the Karate Kid movie be remade, and it right. actually, from what I understand, is not too bad of a remake. Have you seen the remake? I have not. Matthew, have you seen the remake of Karate Kid? Uh, no. My daughter saw it and liked it, but then well, she liked see? the remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Well, see. So we might She's be seven. We may be getting a secret build up to Back to the Future again. 
bam, you know what bam, I did see though? I hope they have bam, Huey Lewis bam, music and it's be awesome. I saw Monster a Go Go. No, the new music will be by Lady Gaga. Oh, good lord, no. Gotta no. go back in time. No. <laughs> and it'll sound like Madonna music. No. She doesn't okay, sound listeners. like Madonna. She looks like Madonna. No, she sounds she like Madonna. She sounds too. like a kitten in a wood chipper. <laughs> <laughs> How many kittens do I have to throw in a wood chipper to get rid of her? <laughs> that's like a Zen Koan right there. Yes, right there. All right. What's the sound of one kitten chipping? <laughs> I was born this way. <laughs> it is wrong to tip the vessel of knowledge at Gruberman. All right. So you can go over to the Major Spoilers website. You can read these articles and see the promotional video uh, with uh, the Nike Air Mag shoes. In fact, the promotional video that they have is actually kind of cool, too, with a numerous uh, stars making appearances in the piece. Um, and you can comment on any other story that's over at Majorspoilers.com. Got a great comment section. All you have to do is post your comment, share your thoughts, share your ideas. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, uh, also over at the idea. website, in case you didn't notice yeah. it, we're covering DC's New 52. Pow. All the new comics we are reviewing. We've got the first week down. i got another week going on today or tomorrow, or we did it last month, depending on when you're listening. Hello, Hello future, future people. people. All right. Superman number 200 just came out for some of these people. <laughs> you know that. And they're all like, I don't understand why they brought back hey. Bartok. For some of these people, uh, Superman number 900 just hit the shelves. Really? I don't know. Wasn't it 18 months from now we'll be up to Superman 900? No. Batman will hit, Batman will hit 1,000 win? No, Detective Comics will hit 900 in about 14 issues. There you go. Action so. Comics will hit 1,000 in about 100 issues. Okay, well, see, there you go. That's the deadline. I don't think it's going to Just like Fantastic Four and the FF. I don't think it's going to happen. Boom. If, uh, also, don't forget the Major Spoilers Costume Contest. Holy crap, Rodrigo. Over 35 people have already entered in one week. Some fantastic, amazing costumes. And you know why people yeah. are coming in in droves to enter this contest? Yeah. Why? Because Cause Cause we're awesome. Well, it's that, and also because we're giving away an iPad 2 this year as the Whoa. big prize. <laughs> Somebody asked to... if it was your iPad, and I'm like, of course not. What well, would you could, talk about? It probably could be one of my many iPads. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Steven has one. So he doesn't have to defile. I have one of every iPad. Steven has one iPad per member. Yeah, right now, yes, we do. Of the f- what? Of what? the family. No, I meant of his body. So oh, you. <laughs> so, hey, what? Steven has more than one member? <laughs> Steven has five iPads, if you know what I mean. Oh, 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 his pants fit like a glove. All right, everybody, stick around. We come back, we'll get some listener mail and some reviews. How to get a major spoiler shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Thank you, everybody, who makes a donation. And again, if you want to donate, there's a little button over there, the Majorspoilers.com website. One-time donation, two, five, or a $10 a month recurring donation. You can also check out the Majorspoilers.com slash store mm-hmm. for a few products. 
I know people are saying, well, when are the other products coming? I wish I could tell you. I'm having bad customer service mm -hmm. from my t-shirt vendor. And so now I need to find some time at lunch to travel around to some other t-shirt vendors and say, hey, what's, you guys want to make me happy? Or are you guys going to hey, shove I'm business out the door? Hey, I'm the Steve. Hey, who wants to make some money? to make me a well, t-shirt? Hey, who wants to be a racist here? <laughs> you know, I'm just going to oh, walk I into the store. We all do. I think my approach is going to be, hey, would you guys like to make some money? Or do you want to just let the money go out the door and not and not say anything to anybody? Well, you know. Don't be that guy. Make sure, make sure you have a cigar when you say that. And a big bag yeah, of money with dollar, yeah. the dollar sign on it. Ah, you know what I, I got here? I got 37 U.S. dollars. <laughs> and they could hat. be yours. Of smart people, see? And they don't want to leave money on the table, see? That's what it is. Yeah. Got to dig into that Quite major bad. spoilers email bag this week. <sighs> Hello, major this. spoilers podcast team. After discovering your podcast in the last three or four weeks, I must say that I really enjoy them. I'd never really thought of podcasts as a viable nuggets of information or entertainment. But that's just where Nugget. your podcasts are, so please keep them coming. Anyway, I have a question, and that is, why do bad writers and artists keep getting employed by the big two? I mean, the guy who did Rise of Arsenal is still at DC, and nobody like that. Then you have Jeff Loeb, who, uh, whose recent story, Ultimatum, weren't particularly well-received either. So just what is it about them? Why aren't they stopped, fired, enslaved, murdered, etc.? Anyway, thanks again, and I hope I get to keep listening to you guys for a long time. That's from Ross. From Mary's side, England, Merseyside, well, England. Why do bad writers and artists thoughts. keep getting employed? Look, hey, there's a lot of people who just dislike Rob Liefeld's art. Just mm -hmm. dislike it, dislike it. But you know what? There are also a crap ton of people who just love Rob Liefeld art, love uh, it. And and really, that's that's what it it comes down to is somebody's awful awful is somebody else's greatest story ever written yeah um and and you see that i i would i would say even with good writers you know i mean yeah. clearly there's there's tension about grant morrison and wi mm -hmm. and which of grant morrison's things are good or totally awful um basically fanfic right um and and that's that's a matter for discussion, and it's difficult to to make a conclusion. There are artists that are easier to crap on than him because you know he's, right. they're 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 not nearly as 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 popular at least. Right. Um, the other thing is, I think, um, is because they have a relationship mm -hmm. with the publisher. Yeah, is you know, uh, when you are Jeff Loeb and you've had several hits, mm -hmm. not just you're allowed to have yeah, a crapper. for Marvel and for DC. You're allowed. You're allowed some strikes, mm -hmm. and you know you'll get work again because you've delivered before. Mm -hmm. And if they believe that you're actually trying, and you know, I mean, a lot of the and and here's another thing: a lot of the time, what these writers are writing is what editorial is giving them to write. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah. We need to get from here to here, yep. write this story, right? And sometimes that's not a lot to work on or and, to go on. And sometimes, you know, you might get started in and thinking, hey, this uh, Rise of Arsenal right. is going to be a game-changing story. And you get two issues in and suddenly you're realizing, holy crap, this is not a well-received comic by a lot of people, but we just can't not publish the rest of it for those 10,000 or so people that did mm -hmm. pick it up. And we've probably already paid the person for their writing, so... We're not just going to throw it under the table. Let's see if we can make at least some of our money back. 
Matthew, I'm sure you have some thoughts. I do. And I think what it really comes down to is personal preference. I mean, I hated Rise of Arsenal. And it kind of tainted the name J.T. Cruel for me. <laughs> when I see J.T. Cruel, I kind of go, ooh, that's the guy who wrote Rise of Arsenal. But what is it? What has, what but it doesn't stuff do that for everybody. What good stuff has and it, it I don't know. I don't read anything other than... I don't need to wasn't run that on even up for a, Wasn't that even up for an award or something? I don't know. I think it was. I honestly don't know. But here's the thing about uh, Rise of Arsenal that we don't think about. From DC's perspective, was it successful? Did it sell books? Yes, indeed, he do. It sold a fair number of books. It sold what you might expect for a JLA spinoff. Same with Cry for Justice, different writer, similar awful. I don't care for Cry for Justice because of what actually happened in Cry for Justice and the things that took place. But you know what? People talked about it. People bought it. A lot of people bought it, and it gave them a place for them to jump off into whatever that next story is. So I think the question of successful is problematic here. And it also comes down to the argument that Stephen keeps making. And, you know, I, I mock you for this, but you'd be like, I just don't read crap comics anymore. That is a completely subjective statement. It has, it has you know, no base in fact, because any comic that you read is a crap comic to somebody. Exactly. What is, you know, people are like, well, they should write more decent comics. What's yeah. a decent comic? You know, I, I got a copy of Todd Holton's Super Green Beret this week, and I am just triumphing. I am trumpeting it to the, to the five winds saying Todd Holton, Super Green Beret. This is widely believed to be one of the worst comics ever made. Certainly in the top 10. I own the other nine already. I loved this book god-awful ridiculous concept the art's not so great it's you know mid-60s craziness and this is a really great book to me it's something that i've been looking for and searching for for years so you know to so say it, they should make more decent comics and guys like jt cruel or rob liefeld or grant morrison or somebody made the argument that alan moore shouldn't be allowed to write comics anymore because he's past his prime and he's just rehashing the same stories that's not the way this works. Creative endeavor is a crapshoot. And when you throw something out into the world that you've created, you know, whether you're JT Cruel or whether you're, you know, freaking Raskolnikov, was he a writer? I don't know. <clears throat> Tchaikovsky, somebody who writes. There's a Russian guy. He did War Barishnikov. and Peace. <laughs> Thank you. Barishnikov. Tchaikovsky Barishnikov wrote War and Peace in 1957. And you know what? It could have been crap. It could have been the equivalent of J.T. Cruel and Rob Liefeld working together on a Power Rangers Teletubbies crossover, you know, featuring Justin Bieber. But there would be somebody out there who would buy that book. And I'll bet you even money it would cross genres and it would get people talking and you'd have a lot of feedback. So, I mean, when it comes to a creative endeavor, the question of what is successful has to come into play. And also... Jeff Loeb wrote Commando for Arnold Schwarzenegger like 25 years ago. Jeff Loeb has chops that come from, you know, doing successful things in other genres. I'm sure, you know, JT Cruel is nice to puppies. Everybody has certainly something going cats. for them. Well, certainly not Cheshire, but <laughs> 
what it really comes down to is when you say, you know, this was a bad comic, why are they still allowed to draw? Because it's sold, because people liked it, or because enough people bought it and hated it to make it financially successful. Why is Rob Liefeld back on Hawk and Dove? Well, I want you to go to Majorspoilers.com. I want you to click on the Hawk and Dove review and note that it has three or four times as much conversation going on as the reviews of OMAC or Swamp Thing or even Batgirl. People talk about Rob Liefeld. And it may not all be, we sure do love Rob Liefeld, but the people who do love him will get up in your face and defend him to the ends of the earth. And I'm sure JT Cruel is probably nice to puppies. Uh, Rise of Arsenal uh, was honored with a PRISM Award for the accurate portrayal of substance abuse and mental illness. So there you go. <laughs> no, that, that was the writer <laughs> who was portraying substance abuse and mental illness. That, that's why Arsenal fought against the well, purple hippopotamus. You know, you have to look at what is the bottom line, you know, what is that break-even point? And so if you figure $500 a page is what it costs on average, right, for a print comic, go and figure how many pages. So you're looking at 10,000 10, copies that need to be sold. If an issue sells 10,000 copies, guess what? It's break-even if maybe not a, a little bit more profit than that. So you're looking at maybe like in the top 300, you're probably looking at the bottom 5% of those comics are in the 10,000 range. So... Yeah, you know, it's not too hard to make a buck off a comic in, in the mainstream. Yeah, definitely. If you're so, Marvel or DC yeah. or even Image and Star And sometimes Wars, it's the know. name. Sometimes just the name Rob Liefeld attached to something is going to bring people's interest. And, 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 and really that's why. You know, there's, there, there are those two things. One, it's subjective. Right. So somebody that you think is maybe not that great keeps getting work and everybody loves them. Mm -hmm. I, I have in, in the past mentioned, you know, I have a, I have a short list of names of creators that I think are not as great as people think they are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we all do. Um, and then on the other side, there is that issue of, well, everybody, everybody hates Mark Miller. Yes. Except for the do. people who, who totally will? love yeah. Mark Miller. And that, that fight is going to get you eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's going to sell you comics to the people that love him and the people that hate him. So there you go, Ross. Hopefully that answers your question. Now go out there and buy some Liefeld comics this week. Let's get to some reviews. Review. Let's start with Matthew with X-23 number 14. Not the one from two years ago, <coughs> but the one from last week. X-23, number 14, go! Well, for those of you who don't know, it's gotta have X-23, awesome didn't it, though? X-23 is kind of indicative of a trend in comics. Uh, my, my friend Jim and I, who now manages Gatekeeper Hobbies, Huntoon and Gage Topeka, asked me about how things fly off the Morrison rails. Jim and I were talking about this a couple of months ago and discussing how for a while, around the year 2000, it was awesome to take a sexy little girl who was sexy, sexy, and approximately 18, and put her in a sexy, sexy version of an existing character's costume. We got a sexy teenage female Scorpion. We got a sexy teenage female Spider-Man. We got a sexy teenage female everybody, really. And X-23 is, or was, sexy teenage female Wolverine. 
Um, she's been through some stuff since then. And her latest series, um, I'm not exactly sure how to categorize it. I've been kind of following it off and on. I actually picked up this issue because of the appearance of the FF, the Future Foundation. Uh, Spider-Man, The Thing, Mr. Fantastic, and the Invisible Woman, which is French. And um, it, 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 I don't know how to, to really describe it, so I'm going to start with the good part. Rodrigo, Hello. I want you to go buy this comic. Okay. You know why? Why? Page one, there's this weird disaster in New York, and the first characters we see who are named characters in the book are Gambit and Cecilia Reyes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that. Maggot was busy. Uh, he's Being got dead. a Fear Itself crossover. No, it's a Fear Itself crossover. It's called uh, Do You Fear Being Dead? Nice. And uh, we we have an unusual strange disaster in New York. The Future Foundation uh, gets involved. And I will say this. The Future Foundation is written really well. Marjorie Liu handled this book. It's not a name I'm familiar with. But Marjorie has a moment where Ben Grimm walks in and starts talking about something, and all the genius kids, the Atlantean kids and the, the subterranean kids and Franklin and Valeria and the Dragon Man all start talking. And within a page, these genius kids have figured out exactly what happened, how, you know, it wasn't an accident at all. Somebody intentionally attacked somebody. And then, of course, we cut to Spider-Man and the Thing having a sandwich in the hallway. I mean, I, I love the characterization throughout this issue. And the art is Phil Noto. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with Phil Oh, I love Phil Noto. He yeah, is a Phil great Noto artist. Does. I love his cover art. I love his interiors. Yep. I wish that when he was at the Planet Comic Con uh, two years ago that he would have brought stuff yep. for sale, but instead he just sat there and did sketches all day. And he was already uh, booked up by the time I got there at 10.02. The well, Phil Noto is drawing a book that has sexy teenage Wolverine side by side with Susan Richards, who is the MILF of the Marvel Universe. Now, ask me what's awesome. What's awesome? What's awesome? awesome? They're not the same girl. They don't have the same face. They don't have the same body. They do have the same hair, but they have the same hair. And there's a portion where, you know, they're talking to each other and each of them shows specific body language. And X-23's facial expression throughout is kind of that it's kind of that dead-eyed Elijah Dushku impression that she had throughout Dollhouse when she was, you know, the, the little imprinty thing, and then they would put a personality on her head. Mm. So we go through the issue. We find out something's up with uh, X-23, and something weird is going on, and people are attacking her. And then there's more Gambit, and there's more Cecilia. And the Future Foundation decides to get involved. And all of a sudden, they realize that something weird is going on. And Spider-Man says, wait. I know what this is. And X-23 starts to glow. And Spider-Man says, I know what this is. And everybody's like, what? And he's like, it's the unit power. And then X-23 turns into Captain Universe. Nice. And tele yeah, teleports <laughs> everyone to another dimension. I I'm going to be buying the next issue of X-23. Amazing. Because... <laughs> I, I didn't want to like sexy teenage Wolverine, but this is actually fun. And it's, it's the Marvel universe from a different perspective. It's not all about fear itself. And it's not the future foundation featuring 
you know, Laura X 23, whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. This is her book. It's clearly about her. And apparently now she's going to be captain universe, sexy teenage Wolverine, which I kind of want to see how that goes. So I'm going to go with, and I'm going to, it hurts me to say this because, you know, I'm, I'm giving it to an X title, four slices of meatloaf for this (laughs) book. Well drawn, well written, well characterized the parts of it that I didn't like, you know, there were some issues in the transition from the big explosion into the Fantastic Force uh, headquarters, and even that is something you can get by. This is a very good issue. It's a very good book. Cool. All right. That's out from yeah. last week from Marvel Comics, X-23, number 14. Uh, also out last week, Morning Glories, number 12, from Image Comics, from Nick Spencer and Joe Isma. Or Isma. This is actually an interesting He's- book. You know, last time we were left, this actually is the start of a new arc. Uh, at the end of the last arc, we had gone through individual stories of all of the uh, new arrivals at uh, Morning Glory Academy, uh, each presented with a different uh, kind of uh, uh, perspective on life. This one starts out with this girl who's riding up in a Jeep, going down in an elevator, putting on a hazmat suit. She gets out of the elevator, walks down a long hallway, which then opens up into Morning Glory Academy, which is a fantastic. Whenever I saw that, I had to go back and go, wait a minute. Didn't she just go down in an elevator into a big tunnel thing? And why is she coming out at the gates of Morning Glory Academy? Which makes me wonder, where is Morning Glory Academy uh, actually located? It's, it's actually deep in the bowels of a sperm whale. It might be. Hello. What is this rushing around me? It's like, whoosh, I think I shall call it wind. Wind, I shall call it wind. And it's whipping my, ooh, what's that back there? It's my, ooh, it's tail, tail, that's what I'll call it. Um, anyway. And sure what's this what big thing coming up towards Actually, me now? I wonder if it will be my were, friend. Uh, if they were in his in his small <laughs> intestine, in his bowels, it would probably be more like, God, it hurts! <laughs> Make it stop! Uh, so this new person, her name is Miss Hodge, and all the students seem to love her and just appreciate everything about her. And she knows everything about every kid. And she even says at one point, I know everything about you, everything that you've done, and everything that you will do. As she then starts to meet with each of the children, and she's very irate that uh, killings are going on at Morning, Morning Glory Academy, and she even uh, goes up and and um, and confronts uh, Miss Daramon, the uh, sexy, sexy teacher that we've seen before, and something is killing the children, and she wants it to put a stop to it. So she meets with the new arrivals, and she starts giving them bits of information, giving them advice. She gives one of them a gun. She gives one of them a uh some pills to make her feel better she just does everything she can to make things work out and she's trying to uh, to reach out to these kids for some reason in fact she even goes up to uh i forget what the big blonde girl's name is cassie yeah casey or cassie casey and she says hey you want to burn this place down how about we burn it down together and it's a great kind of issue in Things were starting to stall. The storyline hooks you back in and draws you back in. It uh, it uh, has got a new interesting character that kind of freshens up this series a year later after it's been out. Um, it makes you start asking more questions, and it actually keeps you around for a little bit longer to see what happens. The art by Joe uh, Isma is, again, great. It's awesome. There are a few places where facial features get a little out of whack. Uh, but overall, this is a really, really good issue. I'm still sticking around for this, although now I'm wondering if it's going to start feeling a little bit more like that uh, 
it's on Cartoon Network. I forget what show it was, but it was like, oh, uh, it was about a year or so ago, and I forget. I think Mark Wade was involved in it. I think um, Mission Hill. Mission was it Mission Hill? It was Mission something. Uh, but it kind of feels like Mi- this. Mission. It's these kids who <laughs> this kid wakes up one morning in a in a new academy in this school and the teachers may be prisoners there as well. And they're not allowed to go off the grounds and they're not allowed to leave and weird things happen. And ooh. I'm pretty sure mission Hill is a, is a cartoon about a bunch of slackers. Now this is yeah, a, uh, no, no, no. This is a, uh, series, I think on cartoon network or mm-hmm. one of those kids networks It's actually really well done. Um, but it feels a lot like morning glory Academy. Let's uh, say or Morning it was Glory. Chowder. Let's say it wasn't. Morning Glory's number twelve. I thought was a really good book. Uh, it's got me hooked back in and is deserving of three and a half slices of the meatloaf this week. So I say pick it up. Mm. Rodrigo. Hello. Saving you for last because you, uh-huh. you my friend, have gotten your hands on a comic book that no one else has yet. Because it arrives on Wednesday is it or Todd today. Holden's Super Green Beret? No, we're talking about maybe a good comic book. Jurassic Park, Dangerous Games number one from IDW Publishing. Now, we are recording this on the 13th, and they said we couldn't talk about it until the 13th. So, show probably won't appear until actually the 14th. Right. So, we can talk about it. Hooray. Depending on when you're listening, hello, future people. Yes, if you're listening to this in the past, stop. <laughs> you're going to get us in trouble. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Yes. You do, you do get somebody saying that. Really? Yep. Uh, is it an old man? No. Uh, okay, so here's... Is it Sam Neill? All right, so here's the premise. A, it, uh, a while after uh, Jurassic Park has basically fallen apart and has become just an island full of feral dinosaurs running right. around right. eating each other, mm-hmm. um, this drug lord has bought the island. Oh, that's and moved brilliant. in. That is brilliant. Nothing and, bad can come of this. And he he's <laughs> got dinosaurs as he, mules. He doesn't operate his cartel out of it, but it's basically his own private fortress, and nobody goes to bother him there because it's full of man-eating dinosaurs, right? Yep. Um. So this agent, this I believe CIA agent, has infiltrated his organization, and he goes in and he gets found out and. Gets brought before the drug lord at Isla Nubilar. <laughs> um, you say keep the name right. And uh, he, the the drug lord, is like, I would kill you, but I believe in giving a man a sporting chance. So instead, I'm going to have my man Jeeves here hunt you down in the <laughs> island. Oh, no. You've got 24 hours, and then we're coming to kill you. It's the deadliest game. It is. <laughs> The most dangerous game. And that is why, I mean, they're copying to it in the title, right? It's yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park, Dangerous Games. Right. You know, it's it's not like a lot of other stories where they're just like, and we're going to rip off the most dangerous <laughs> game, by the way. <laughs> but yes, um, if you are not aware of it, the most dangerous game is a short story by Richard Connell, which was originally published in 1924. Oh, man, that's a long time ago. And has since been, you know, it's become a trope. Yes, it ripped has. <laughs> yes, it's, it's since been summarily ripped off. But the, the thing about The Most Dangerous Game is that um, although there might have been some things that 
predated it that were similar, you can pretty much point to the most dangerous game as the first time that this thing was done and widespread and right. and, and fully realized. So yes, it is it is basically the most dangerous game with dinosaurs. That's got to make it interesting. So he, the art is good. It's got kind of this anime style. The dinosaurs are very cool looking. Yeah. You know, they're. Uh, I like how Jurassic Park quietly, the, the Jurassic Park franchises quietly slide along with new discoveries in, in mm. archaeology. Mm-hmm. Towards, you know, the, the raptors in the original Jurassic Park were big green li- lizards, but the raptors nowadays oh, on Jurassic feathered. Park are covered in feathers. Yeah, that's funny. Um, eventually they'll they'll realize that they didn't have feathers at all, and they'll molt. <laughs> um, <laughs> the writer suddenly they realized the raptors had not had feathers. You can see the raptor's head pop up, and then ploosh! Next panel, all the feathers are down on the ground. Fortunately, I keep my feathers numbered for just such an emergency. Yep. Um. So, I, I, and I do like the art. What I don't like about it, and. I, I, I understand that this goes with the territory of trying to tell another story through the through the lens of Jurassic Park. Right. Is that it makes the dinosaurs, this story makes the dinosaurs less monolithic. You know, mm-hmm. the, like the thing about Jurassic Park is that it's super, super deadly. If you introduce five characters, one of them is going to make it out. Right. But. Really? Well. Um. I, I meant only one is going to oh, make okay. it out, okay. is what I'm saying. Everybody else is going to die, that's what I'm saying. Uh, will one person make it out? Uh, presumably, yes. Okay. That That is the way it tends to go. Is, <laughs> yeah. But, but you, I mean, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, dinosaurs yeah. Dinosaurs eat you. Yeah. That's, the, Jurassic Park colon dinosaurs eat you <laughs> is basically <laughs> the, the, how you can summarize the entire franchise. But here's a guy who lives in that island mm-hmm. and hasn't been eaten by dinosaurs. He's got mm-hmm. a little pet Archaeopteryx, like Deinonychus little guy. Okay. Um, and at the end of this story, spoiler alert, we see that the main character is about to get eaten by raptors and then somebody calls them off. Oh, calls them off. Yes. Somebody's uh-huh. been living on the island and has trained the raptors. And we don't get to see who it is, except if you then, you know, turn the page, you get to see the preview for the next one and you is see exactly Jeff, who it is. Is it Jeff Goldblum? No, it's a it's a chick. Is it Sam Neill? Oh, no, it's, uh, it's Lauren. Lauren uh, what's her name? Um, she looks more like maybe a, uh, uh, the, um, more of a, I don't know, she's, she's a, a redhead. Maybe she's a little girl all grown up. She looks like MJ. Basically, oh. it's like Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, yeah, she's no stranger to uh, Savage Land. There you go. There you go. So Mary Jane Watson goes to Jurassic Park and trains the raptors. Because How awesome would that be? Because that explain where she was. For yeah, the exactly. For yeah, <laughs> she's like, well, if my marriage got broken up because some old lady had to live, then I'm gonna go train some raptors. <laughs> To do my unfortunately, that's bidding. not. Unfortunately, that's not how it's going to happen. No, unfortunately not. Because <laughs> if Spider Man got involved, that would that would definitely make it better. <laughs> Either way, this is interesting, and and my my annoyance at the fact that they're they're making the dinosaurs more malleable. I I am willing to let it go for now because there's a story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. So it's already pushing against what I want out of my Jurassic Park story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if they continue to push that even further, you know, if they have like the Raptors like doing tricks and basically like I- I'm okay with the Raptors behaving like junkyard dogs, basically, if yeah. they have been trained. But if they're like, you know, cute pets now, that that's going to that's going to be a deal breaker for me. I'm going to give this three slices of meatloaf. It's Ooh. it's definitely interesting for something that takes two really well-known <laughs> stories and smashes them together. It's actually fairly well executed. Well, it's kind of like a couple of weeks ago when I read the uh, Godzilla versus the Mafia thing. Yeah. Who would have thought that you could have mashed the two together? And 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 really that's 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 probably the way to do it. You know, they've been trying to do the shadow again and ghostbusters again and mm-hmm. buckaroo banzai again mm-hmm. and robocop again but not not necessarily with the mashing although we did see some mashing action yeah. with robocop and terminator oh yeah um it it's basically taking those universes that even at their original inception were very rich mm-hmm. and then telling other stories in them that'll be the new uh trend is mashing two separate genres I, or two I, separate I, I, properties franchises together. yeah well you know army of darkness has been doing it right and left for a while and yep. really they're, they're well, the right latest in, one yep. army of darkness and the danger girl yep doing it right there so matthew what what uh, franchises would you like to see mashed together and don't say danger uh, girl James and behind Bond. the green door James Bond and the Prisoner. Oh, that would be kind of interesting. Nice. Yeah, Bond wakes up one morning in the village and tries to figure out what's going on. And of course, number six doesn't trust him. And then we're cha cha. Who is number one? You are 007. Wait, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> number six and 007 <laughs> together are unlucky 13. <laughs> what about you, Rodrigo? What the genre? Do you want to see Mash? Um, I would definitely like to see like Knight Rider and the Care Bears. <laughs> I think Knight Rider and Battlestar Galactica would be interesting to finally well, explain that Kit is Cylon technology. Well, yeah, I mean that uh, that's that's what I always thought. It's you know boom, boom. that that ocular boom, technology boom. has been there boom, since boom. the '80s. Boom, boom. Um, it, it's just it, it it took them a long it took kits ai a long time to become very resentful yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah i mean can you imagine like, like michael knight driving around talking to kid but there's all these care bears <laughs> in the back seat cg hey, cg what? animated care bears yeah sure like, hey, the, michael, like let's it. go do hey, that michael, i don't think you're not sharing <laughs> i want to drive rainbow power rainbow care bears and care bear cousins <laughs> shut up no the cousins are gone Possum bear. <laughs> Possum bear. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. See, Secret Agent Oso Possum. No! Good lord, no. That show won't go away as it is. And then you're going to mix it with a possum. <laughs> the two things that are terrible to get rid of. <laughs> It'll two be like the great new apocalypse. They're terrible. <laughs> Possums and Agent Oso. Ah. The only thing that'd be worse is mashing naughty with Agent Oso. Yes, Ugh, Bruce may Caillou Caillou naughty oh, would be <laughs> would be the ultimate. You'd have to do like thing. naughty with behind the green door, and then it'd be naughty. naughty. <laughs> no, don't put that in my mind. Let's take a break. Let's listen to some voicemails so we can clear our heads and then talk about Legends of the Dark Knight. We'll be right back. Venom. Hi, this is James from Michigan. Um, Just calling to uh, speak briefly about the Venom trade paperback. Um, 
coming into it backwards, I read the Vengeance of Bane into the Nightfall series first. Uh, the Venom storyline was actually really solid. I enjoyed it a lot. The art was really good. The background involving how Venom came into play in the Batman's future, uh, considering what it almost did to him in the past, was especially fascinating. Uh, to sum it up, I liked it. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for the great shows, and keep it up. Thanks. Hey, Major Spoilers. This is Jeremy from Spokane. It's been one week into the DC relaunch reboot, that thing. And does anyone else have the feeling that on a couple of the books, the writers didn't actually get the message about creating a new starting point? I mean, it almost feels like some of these writers are so proud of all the comics lore that they've learned over the years that they just couldn't turn loose of some of that history. Hello, Green Arrow team. I mean, come on, guys. That felt like issue 15, not a number one. As a longtime comics reader, I'm enjoying the spectacle, but I've got a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old who are hoping that this was their chance to jump on board. And we're holding our breath for the new Legion titles. I can only hope that, you know, those actually start up explaining some of the story, not just pages and pages of showing a Cadmus building being destroyed without explaining who we're rooting for and why and who's the big blue guy with the, with the weird haircut. And anyway... Keep up the great work, guys. Make mine major spoilers. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, this is Mighty Mac. Uh, I am a longtime listener, first-time caller. Um, I uh, just wanted to let you guys know that uh, I am a, a big fan of what you guys do. Uh, I think uh, I think it's I think you got a great little uh, great little podcast there. Um, well, uh, I actually am also calling. Uh, to uh, let people know about this great little film that I just watched uh, called Troll Hunter. Um, it, uh, it's set in Norway, and it's, it's by Norwegians. It's this Norwegian film um, about uh, a group of college students who, who they think they're, they're looking for a, a bear poacher, and they're following this guy around, and they think he's, he's this dude that's, that's hunting bears illegally. And uh, they follow him into the woods one night, and they find out that he's actually Norway's one and only uh, troll hunter, the guy in charge of uh, keeping the troll populations from from getting out of hand and, and all of that. Um, and uh, it it follows it follows this this guy around, and and. It's it's really fantastic. I think uh, I think Rodrigo would get a kick out of this because he was a vampire, the masquerade fella, and uh, is kind of. I guess you could say that it's kind of in the same vein as that. Um, I I love all kinds of stuff like that. That's uh, you know folklore and, and and whatever. And this this guy, what he does is he hunts trolls with. Uh, he doesn't use guns or stuff like that. He uses light because, you know, in the mythology, uh, trolls turn to stone in sunlight. So it's kind of like, uh, kind of like Blade, I guess. Um, where, but instead of like bullets or whatever, like Flash, what's that? Was that Blade? That might have been Underworld as well, like UV bullets. But anyway, he just he's got flashlights, and uh, the blood of Christians actually was pretty funny because trolls can smell Christian blood. Um, so anyway, I just, I, it's about 5.30 in the morning right now. I stay up way too late to watch this movie. Um, but I thought you guys would get a kick out of it. 
just because it really is a fantastic little film. Um, so, yeah, whether you guys use this or not, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I am a big fan of, uh, of what you guys do on major spoilers and critical hit. Um, keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, talk to you guys later. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody who called in this week with comments. Steve. All right, I got one. And if people, yes. Battle for the Planets Thundercats. Battle Ooh. for the Planets Thundercats. That would be kind of cool. Gotcha Man Thundercats. Gotcha Man Thundercats. Yep. Ducks gotcha. versus bird or birds versus birds cats. Versus cats. <laughs> versus mummies versus purple Batman. <laughs> hey, we're going to talk Werewolf Batman in just a minute, but first. We forgot to do the major spoiler. We forgot the poll of the week. week. Oh my god! I feel like such a bad mom. I feel like I left my kid in the parking lot. Yeah, like that one time when you left your kid in the parking lot. (laughs) I didn't leave her in the parking lot. I told her to roll the windows down if it got hot, and there was probably some popcorn under the seat. All right, it's been a full week. Seven-year-old in a strip club. It has been a full week since uh, DC unleashed their first full offerings of their new Fifty-Two on the World, and we have reviewed every single one of those. And you know what we think, and we want to know what everybody else thinks. So that is our major spoilers poll of of the week. week, 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 week. Hey, Steve. Yes. It's time. Yeah, I think we're already there, Matthew. How bad is your lag this week? Let's put it this way. I'm still in the middle of the last segment. <laughs> so your choices is awesome. Your choices are, I thought it was good. I'm Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. I'm going back in time like Benjamin Button. Like Marty McFly. <laughs> Marty, there's something about your podcast, Marty. Suck. I thought it was good. Uh, Mixed results. Some good, some kids. bad. Haven't read them yet. I'm still waiting. I will not be reading anything from DC. And I thought it was terrible. Now, Rodrigo, how many of the books did you pick up this week? I only picked up one. Um, Rob had All Hawk and Dove mm-hmm. sitting around, so I read through that one, and I saw another one that maybe had a Superman in it. Had a Superman? Yes. Okay. Had at least one Superman. In okay. It. And what did you think? Um, I get it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but otherwise it's it's positive. I, I guess mm-hmm. if I. If I had to go with one of the options here, which we clearly don't. I mean, I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, certainly you can. Um, you don't even I would, have to. I would, I would, I, I would go with. I can just make stuff up. I, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my only superpower. <laughs> make stuff up. I'm gonna, yes, I'm gonna send people to the cornfield. Um, <laughs> no. It's a good thing you did there, Rodrigo. It's a real good thing. Um... I'm I'm gonna go with some good, some bad, uh, with with you know, and 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 since I actually get to get to talk about, it, I'll I'll say that it, generally it seems positive, right? I've I've seen it's it's clear that they're trying, and the times that I feel they fall short, that's what it feels like. It's like falling short, right? Not, not completely failing or, or going any, yeah. Okay. Well, I got all of the number ones, and I haven't read them all yet. I still have to read Swamp Thing, Stormwatch, Static Shock, OMAC, Men of War, Justice League International, Hawk and Dove, Green Arrow, Batwing, and Animal Man. <laughs> I still have to read those. So what you're saying is you read Batman. <laughs> I read, four, read like had time to read like four books this past week. Batgirl, Action Comics, Detective Comics, 
uh, what was the other one I read? JLA. JLA. Well, that was a week before, but right, yeah. Right, so they are on my pile to have read yesterday, but uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know what happened yesterday or two days ago or, you know. Nine years nine ago. Nine years ago, depending Five on when you're listening. But so far, everything I've seen is all good. Hmm? You know, I think there's even room to appreciate Rob Liefeld's Hawk and Dove. <laughs> so I thought it was all good. Matthew, what about you? Well, I work in a comic store, and I was horrified and upset to see that only three of the titles did not sell out at my store, but one of them was Animal Man, which was the best read of the week from my perspective. But um, I've read all 13 as of this moment, and I'll tell you, I about halfway through... OMAC, I realized that DC is not just relaunching a universe. They're relaunching everything that ever happened in their universe. So OMAC is like a 70s riff, and Action Comics is a 30s riff, and uh, Static and Hawk and Dove are 90s riffs. And I'm like, okay, I can dig this. I can figure out what's going on. You know, this is this will make me talk like a stupid hippie. Uh, I chose, I thought it was good because I thought it was all good. Even the worst book of the week for me, which... And I'm going to tell you, this will surprise you, was not Hawk and Dove for me. Was it Batgirl? Worst book of the week, I felt like still had a lot of potential, still had some stuff going on that I was interested in. And I was surprised at the books that I liked, that I didn't expect to like or indeed to buy. And I ended up buying all of them. What was the one that was your least favorite? For some values of buy. I haven't actually bought all of them. I've read all of them and they're in my pull list to be purchased. Mm-hmm. I bought the ones that I actually had to review for the site because I'm broke. Um, honestly, for me, my bottom read of the week was Men of War. Mm. And uh, it, it was real close between Men of War and um, Stormwatch. Stormwatch was an okay book for me. Stormwatch was, you know, but I feel like Stormwatch was kind of problematic in a lot of ways. And then I got, you know, then I picked up New Avengers Annual number one, and holy crap. (laughs) (sighs) I read Moon Knight number five back-to-back with Schizom number three, and I was depressed for a day and a half. Well, I, uh, you know, like I said, flipping through these, I I think the art is great, uh, or all looks good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, uh, but I think it's going to be good. I mean, uh, giggity-gee, giggity-gee, giggity-gee. Giggity, 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 says, I'm about half and a half. I think the book's worth reading so far I, uh, f- of what I've read are JLA, Detective, Batgirl, Animal Man, Batwing, and Men of War. All of them have really good stories, but looking forward to seeing what the rest of the releases uh, so I can sort out the good and bad. Rusty Cat says, I think I'm half and half. Uh, Joe M says, I liked action a lot more than I thought it would. I liked JLA. Batwing was mixed for me. I like parts of it a lot, but the uh, piles of bodies are just not what I want to read. Batgirl good, JLA fun, or sorry, JLI fun. The others I didn't pick up based on their descriptions. I may thumb through a copy at some point on some of the others and change my mind later. Static shock, a lot of people say they enjoyed. Um, Superhero. Let's see. One person says, I liked what everybody hated and hated what everybody liked. Uh, Rico says, hit and miss, mostly hit though. Nemo was a Namos was a, a newcomer to the DCU and found everything to be okay. I'm trying to find somebody that says I will never read DC again because they're rebooting everything. Uh, Eric 
says, DC sealed my buying comics oh, for a go. while with this reboot when they called it not a reboot. So I'm rebooting my money and doing other things. Entirely your call. Yeah. If I do anything, it'll be in the trades. I mean, that's yeah, that is. Criticism. Nope. That's, that was, in fact, if one of the you answers. don't like this, if you think this is a bad idea, don't read them. Well, here's the good thing. In October, you can pick up all the number ones in a big old trade for like 150 bucks, which is actually, I think, $10 cheaper than buying all the individual issues. Hmm. So uh, you could get them that way if you like. Yeah, Slappy but- says he's waiting for his first paycheck so he can buy them all. On the plus side, he did say that. Slappy uh, his- got a job? Yeah, that's what he says. Who knew that there were still openings for Village? Never mind. <laughs> On the plus side, he ha- says I have them all reserved. Um, so it looks like everybody says fairly leaning towards positive. Hmm? Matthew, yeah. what, the, 30, what does the poll 30, say? 33% of 268 viewers. Ooh, 34% now saying I thought it was good with an equal amount, 32% saying mixed results, some good, some bad. That right there is like 65%, which is almost half. 20% said they haven't read them all. 10% said they won't be reading anything from DC. Only 4% of our respondents saying that the whole thing was terrible. I will say this, and this is problematic for me. I'm seeing a lot of commenters saying, I hate this because X. Uh, I saw one that was, I hate this because of what they've done to Mm -hmm. a character whose book doesn't come out for another three weeks. Right. Again. Hate it when it comes out. There's no, there is no rule that says you have to love any of these books. There's no rule that says you have to buy any of these books. All I'm asking is that you hate it based on an, an informed consent. Hate it based on what you see and not based on what you read. Mm-hmm. I'm also seeing a lot of people saying, well, they promised this would be a completely new reboot and everything would be they, brand new. And- they never said anything Where? about a reboot. They never exactly. said anything about a reboot. And nobody promised that it would be all new and different. What no, they said fact, was it'll they, be a fresh sliding, start. Well, they said it was going to be a sliding scale. Characters who were less well-known, like OMAC, were probably going to get yeah. a lot of changes made, even though the art style still looks very Kirby-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, there, are, OMAC has also gone through kind of non-Kirby-ish faces right, right. and come back. Yeah, and then OMAC's there been. are characters like Batman, who they said probably you're not going to see a whole lot change in his story. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get you do get that sliding story, and they never said it was a reboot. Right. It's a relaunch. There's it's, a difference. There really is a difference. And I, and I think what I'm what I'm seeing from these stories is kind of what I've been uh, screaming at the top of my lungs for a while, which is that you got to kids take, are asleep, not too loud, right? Um, which uh, your kids will sleep through it. <laughs> you guys, you guys spend most of the time screaming anyway. Um, <laughs> Is that uh, you gotta you gotta have characters in the the books and the stories where they belong, right? Mm-hmm. Green Lantern is a space cop. Uh, Batman is a detective in a gritty city full of psychopaths and stuff like that. And it Ultra seems the multi alien is a multi alien, right? Um, so you, it, it seems that that's what that's doing is, you know, it's putting Static Shock where he makes sense you know he's not in the justice league he's running around his little electro surfboard zapping people um in a different city and you know sort of doing the same thing and that's that's where that time scale works because some of these characters do need to get rebooted Mm -hmm. to their more original versions 
or need to get rebooted to that time in the 70s when they were actually working and people actually liked them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Or in the case of Static Shock, they've actually booted Static Shock to the point where he has more in common with the cartoon where yep. more people have seen him. Exactly. Yep. Whereas the Static comic book was nothing like the Static Shock cartoon. Right. Which is very telling in itself, just like the costumes that I think we mentioned uh, last week or during yep. our mini, uh, mini reviews. Um, and you can read those mini reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. And if you want to check only the new 52 reviews, you'll see a button right up there on the right column that says Major Spoilers covers the new 52. Click on that and you will be whisked away. Whisked the away. New 52. Whisk, whisk, whisk. Coming right at you. It's a new 52. Do-de-do-de-do. Anyway, let's talk about Legends of the Dark Knight. On the Great Space Coast What <laughs> Originally, as it was intended, Legends of the Dark Knight was a way to go back <laughs> and tell stories about the early days of Batman. A little bit of year one, maybe a little bit of year two, but definitely the early days of Batman as he's finding out who very he is, what it means 3. to 5. be. Eh, very a little lot of, of year four, no year five at all. <laughs> year six well, makes bad. The problem, the problem was it very quickly and only went November from... November of year seven. <laughs> It went very quickly from telling those first early years of Batman to let's tie this into the current Contagion Mm storyline or the Cataclysm storyline, and then it just fell apart. It took about 60 issues. That's like five years. Yeah, I don't remember if it was 60 issues or it may have been close to 100 before they did that. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the early tales was written by uh, Denny O'Neill with art by Trevor Von Eden, uh, really a bunch of other people. Uh, but uh, it focuses Absolutely. on the introduction of Venom into the DC universe. Now, most people know Venom uh, as the drug that Bane uses to juice himself up mm-hmm. uh, to become all-powerful and I will crush the bat, but with a thicker accent. Why, why is Bane German <laughs> in your head? Because all bad guys B- are German. Bane comes from a Central American country. I'm pretty sure if Bane has an accent, and I don't believe he does, it's not going to sound like Hans Gruber. <laughs> yes, yes, he would. <laughs> because all Germans are evil. No, 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 that's not right. Fine, all, fine. All evil all, all Everyone evil sounds like, Hello, I am the Bane. I've come so, to break the Batman. Now, I'm I will say up front. Of Santa Prisca. I will say up front that this Part of this story reads like an after-school special, mm-hmm. okay? But it is how, as Batman as an early person, how, is he, how does he deal with a failure of his? Somebody who doesn't fail, what happens when he fails? And it starts out with, it's a dark and stormy night. The rains are coming down, the sewers are flooded, and there's a little girl tied up kidnapped down there and he must get to her in time but oh the tunnels are collapsing batman you'll never make it in time and as he gets to the little girl all tied up little sissy her name is sissy i think that's almost a an important part of the story uh the tunnel caves in and batman has to dig to her before it fills up and she drowns Mm -hmm. right and he's lifting and grunting in the last stone 650 pound stone he cannot move he cannot get out of the way Poor sissy drowns. The little girl drowned, Matthew, within four pages of the story. Actually, I think it's about seven pages of the story. Can, can I ask a question? Sure, go ahead. Based on the art that I'm seeing, Trevor Von Eden is mm-hmm. a very you know, clear and, and concise artist. Right. It looks to me like sissy is tied she to is. a wooden chair. She is. 
by ropes. Yep. Hemp ropes. Well, okay. we don't have So Batman rope. has batarangs that are razor sharp. Well, Batman has boots that are full of steel. Why couldn't he have cut her free? Because he couldn't get to her. Trying to lift this rock. Because he couldn't get to her. The the, the tunnel he, caved in in front of her. Oh, she's on the other. She's side on the other the side of the rocks, oh, and he's trying to get to her. I was thinking they, that they were both trapped. Never mind. No, no. He's on one side. She's on the right other on. side, and it's quickly filling up. Although, with only one rock to go, you'd think he could walk around the rock. No, he <laughs> saved the biggest rock for last. Um, and he's pretty upset about this. A child has has gone dead presumably because of some kidnappers Mm -hmm. and he's pretty upset with this he doesn't know what he's going to do but he needs to go tell the girl's father this professor and he goes to the professor and you know this should be a telling part part of the story early on right professor doesn't seem too upset no that his daughter's gone because he's too busy creating these cocktail drugs here's one for you batman maybe if you would have taken one of my pills you could have lifted that 650 pounds and hmm. Batman. And right there, they lost me. <laughs> Why is that? Right there, they lost me. Why is that? <laughs> Go on. Talk about it, and then I'll. I'll well, complain. Batman, you know, having grown up in the Reagan era and listened to Nancy Reagan, immediately says, No thanks. What? No to drugs. I'm leaving. Goodbye. The story I came thought- out at a time when Batman. What? Came out in 1990, so it was right after the. I thought I thought Batman had grown up grown up in the Grover <laughs> Cleveland era. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the Batman. You know, the kidnappers supposedly get away. Batman is just really distraught that he didn't have the physical prowess to stop the bad guys, and this little girl died because of it. And no matter what he does, he's never going to be strong enough until he goes back to the doctor days later and says, "Let me try your pills, Doc." Eat your pills, pillhead. <laughs> On the one hand, Matthew is sighing uncontrollably over there. And I don't think it's yes. swooning, although it might be swooning because the art is pretty cool in this book. Yeah. Um, art is but, cool, and I, I, I do love me some Denny O'Neill, but... It's heavy-handed, yeah. right, in, a, in the way it's trying to tell a story. But on the one hand, we see Batman... Not the all-powerful Batman that we know. And right. looking for ways to become the all-powerful Batman. And perhaps, just perhaps this little drug might help him. Now I'd have to go back and, and hey, it look. It works and, for our man. It does. Yeah, you're right. Our man's a drug addict. Uh, uh, Bouncing Boy uses drugs to get his powers. Ralph Dibney. Bouncing Boy. Cloak and no. Dagger. No. No. Daredevil? He's okay, addicted okay. to a radioactive isotope in his eyeball. Yep. Spider-Man? Bouncing Spider-Man? Boy, he he got idiot. he got bitten. He has literal venom. Yes, he That does. turned him into a Spider-Man. Yes, he does. Okay, Captain America. Come on, guys. Let's juicer. Captain America here. is a juicer. So why not get Batman Super in on the drug deal? Why not get Batman in on the well, drug deal? Reasons. And see, how does Batman deal with drugs? A, Batman as a character, for me, works really well when you when you deal with him from a couple of perspectives. One, you deal with Batman as like the peak human. Right. He's the he's super smart and he's super fast and he does all this stuff and he's cool because he's just a normal guy. Okay. Right. I can deal with that. Or Batman is flawed. Mm-hmm. 
a flawed human being who does the best he can, and he's really smart, and he's really fast, and he's really cool, and he's really rich, but, you know, he's going to fail once in a while. It's hard to have it both ways, and this story wants to have it both ways. Well, we want to have that flawed Batman who, who succumbs to the venom, but also the unflawed Batman who realizes the drugs are bad, okay, and kicks them <laughs> in a particularly ridiculous manner. But here's the problem I have with uh, issue 17 of Legends of the Dark. Okay. Well, let's let's 16. let's 16. He says, let's let me try the drugs. 16. 16 is the one where we see Batman in Kansas. No, wait. Batman. That's that's an entirely different riff. Batman tries to save little sissy and little sissy right. drowns to death. OK, let's take a moment. As much as I dislike that plot device, at least here I can say, OK, what are they doing with it? It's not like the Joker is proving how bad and awful he is by shooting a kid on panel. It's not right. like Jason Todd is going to show how how edgy he is by threatening a kid. This is a situation where Batman fails, and because he's Batman, and Batman is, you know, in essence, an eight-year-old boy who is formed by tragedy and becomes this stronger man, taking an eight-year-old child and making that, you know, that kid the center of the problem, the center of his failure works for me. Mm -hmm. Making it a female child, I think, is a little manipulative because, you know, everybody, there's nobody who doesn't love, you know, a, a cute little girl, a little blonde girl in a Ford dress. So, I, I, you know, I feel like I'm being a little manipulated by the story, but I'm with you. I can, I can go to that point, okay? And then he goes, and by amazing coincidence... The father just happens to be cooking up this amazing human growth hormone that will make him even better. And there's no indication, to me at least, in this issue that these are related events. It's just ultimate contrivance that, oh, and by the way, oh, sorry my daughter died. Would you like to try these new awesome HGH pills? Because uh, John Paul Levesque says they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't feel like a transition. If it was something where I felt like that first part was intentional on the part of, you know, the bad guys who are revealed later to get Batman to the point where he's addicted to pills, it would be different. But it just feels to me like we're like, okay, why did that happen? Because it does. It's It's that moment where you're in a game. And the villain shows up, and he attacks you, and you're all bleeding. And somebody says, okay, I want to counterattack. And the dungeon master says, no, he got away. Right. And you're like, but I want to, I want to, no, he well, got but away. This, you know, Can in the I first roll? issue, it no, may seem a little weird. In the first issue, it may seem a little weird. But then it goes almost back to the, what you were saying, Matthew, is Batman is imperfect. He's been awake, I think it said in this uh, first issue, already for something like 96 hours. And he's wiped out, and he can't deal with stuff. So he's not thinking straight. So he's not putting two and two together about, why isn't the good doctor here all upset about losing his daughter? And, hey, here's a pill that may make me better than what I am. In fact, there was even a dream sequence where he's dreaming about um, uh, Superman just basically mm -hmm. is telling him, oh, maybe you're just a man of Kleenex instead of a man of steel and kind of playing into his inner inner problems to the point when he does take the drug, he's trying to be that better human, trying to be all perfect. But unfortunately, Rodrigo, as we find out in upcoming issues, drugs are bad because while he may be getting stronger, uh, mm -hmm. Batman gets dumber. Yep. Drugs are bad, Rodrigo. He even cannot put his bat suit on. Why can't he put his bat suit on? Well, they hinted the fact that he kind of has an aversion to it because he doesn't 
because he's not Batman anymore while mm-hmm. he's taking the drugs. Mm-hmm. And then Alfred points it out, and Batman is like, "Shut up, Alfred! You're you're a stupid. You are a stupid <laughs> you, to me. You, you are stupid. You. You're a stupid, Alfred. I don't you like you no st- more. You are a stupid to me, Alfred." You're- Every, I mean, growing up, put on my suit. You just, I, yeah. growing up in high school, um, juicing wasn't a problem, although it wasn't called juicing back then. Um, but uh, was we had taking a powder, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, but we had heard we had heard a little bit about cool. steroid use, but at that time it was an injectable drug, not a pill or anything like that. Um, and I'm sure there were a couple of people in my high school that miraculously over the summer went from scrawny little 145 pound person to 185 pounds of muscle in one summer, um, and got super aggressive. It's called puberty. You should look into it. Got super aggressive. Got, um. These were girls though. Yeah. (laughs) Basically the same things that we're seeing Batman happen here. Gets dumber, gets more aggressive, gets more violent, you know, doesn't think straight because he's on the drugs. And that's when we get introduced to the General Matthew, who uh, we find out in in the second part of this, issue 17, that Batman basically was played. And I don't, you know, that never comes out and says it, which is really surprisingly, real surprising. But the kidnappers that um, uh, Batman's been hunting down that killed the little girl that essentially killed the girl. Um, were hired by the general or work for the general, but the general is in cahoots with the doctor. So the doctor, in order to manipulate and play Batman, allowed his own daughter to die. And that is disturbing. This guy is a bad, bad, bad man. And that's when I was like, whoa, you can you can kill a kid for, you know, like you did in the first chapter. But now it's like Creepsville, man. Yeah, and and really, and and you go on, and basically both of these guys sacrifice their children for for their for right. their own yeah. ends. Yeah, gen- the general has a uh, you know one of them slack jawed yokel sons called Timmy, Timmy mm. and Sissy, two very innocent names, right? Right for children. Timmy and nah. Timmy and Sissy are both sacrificed, innocence sacrificed. Timmy gets it the other way. He because he mm. loves his father so much takes the pills, gets big and strong, actually allows the doctor to perform surgery to put some kind of under armor underneath his dermal skin. Dermal plating. Dermal plating. Is that what it's called? I don't in, know. He in, comes in out Shadow of... Shadowrun it is. Oh, is that what it is? In, I thought dermal plating played the main character in singles. <laughs> or is, uh, it's Dermot Mulroney. Uh, Timmy, uh, when he comes out of his surgery, looks an awful lot like a bulky Steve Rogers almost. Hmm. Batman knows he's not going to buy into, he's still smart enough not to buy into the general and the doctor's scheme and says, no way, man, I'm going to kick these drugs by locking myself away in the cave for a whole month, and I don't want nobody to come and bother me. They try to make me go to rehab. <laughs> this <see>. was <laughs> days before I Dr. See. Drew got involved. Matthew, why do you think uh, Batman kicking the drugs I by taking a month in the cave is, a, uh, is really dumb? Oh, it is you don't dumb. have it's you don't have celebrity it's, rehab. Um, it it's it's melodramatic and it's it's awful. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have gone a month without shaving, and you don't necessarily come out looking like you know the Dwed Pirate Roberts. <laughs> but you know, Batman is a particularly uh, 
you know, particularly uh, grown and, and, and old testosterone kind yes. of guy. So, yeah, I can see that he, he may have grown a, a huge Edward Teach beard in 30 days underground, but it, <laughs> it, 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 it's really over the top. It's, you know, it's, it's diehard Bruce Willis stuff for me. And when he comes out from starving himself in the cave for 30 days, what does he do? He immediately suits up and goes out after the bad guys. I, 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 I'm just... If I accept that Batman is able to do this, and I have to because, you know, I'm reading the book, and Batman is Batman, and Batman has this super, you know, super-duper willpower that nobody can overcome without being a Green Lantern. I, I feel like there might have been some other side effects of being locked in a cave. Essentially, I, I don't know if there's food down there or not. They never yeah, really they mentioned that he's got over 30 days. He's got plenty. It says right in the story that he's got more than enough food and water to last him for the time that he's going to be holed up. Okay. So, you know, it's, it just seems like, you know, a, a particularly silly sort of moment. Well, and you know, I it, it may I seem silly, but this is, this is, you know, is, this is a technical Batman. You know, this is not the first time. Yeah, really, the only the only thing that's missing in this story is uh, Michael J. Fox's uh, sister's cousin Effie with the uh, with the diet pills. Um, it but, may not be Miller time, but it is <laughs> vanilla time. <laughs> no, Uncle Tom Hanks, stop drinking. We hate you when you drink. You know the. This is not the first time we've seen. Well. This is probably the first time we've seen it. It's happened again where Batman locks himself away in a cave for a month mm-hmm. to meditate during the uh, year one year later storyline. You know, they, one year later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, uh, yeah. he had locked himself up to be, I don't know, free his mind, free his spirit, whatever that he was doing in that cave. Feed feed his head. Feed his head. Um, <laughs> turns out catching up on all five seasons of Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> he loves him some turtles. Eighth season of Entourage. Eighth and final season. Eighth and final season. Oh, I think. Oh, turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, turtle. Look at at how you've kicked the fat and become so skinny. I wish I could be like you. I shall hold myself up in the back cave for a while. Yes, there are men, and then there is turtle. (laughs) Um, And then there is Jimmy Olsen. Do you have any problems with the way that Batman kicks the drugs? Kicks the habit? Rodrigo? I, I don't because I think this is a very bad man thing to do. Right. Because it's, it, Alfred is like, go to a freaking doctor. Right. And Batman is like, no. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, I, I really like how throughout this whole story, Alfred gives him perfectly reasonable and sane advice. Right. And Batman is just a moron about the whole thing. Well, when he he's comes just, out of the cave, he's, he's like, like I may have kicked the drugs, but I think I also learned how to, how, I think I also forgot how to read or write mm-hmm. because the drugs did th- that much damage to him. Right. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Alfred's the like, maybe you, you should do this, sir. Maybe you should do this. Shut up, Alfred. No, Alfred. No, I'm, like, I'm uh, going maybe. to quit, sir. Fine, go ahead. Get the hell out of here, Batman. Or Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. I'm Batman. Wait, no, what, what are I? these drugs doing to me? These are some really strong pills. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I feel like Green Arrow's sidekick here. Now the part, Matthew, I agree with you. There are some parts that get a little weird in this story. For example, uh, they realize that the uh, general and the doctor have fled to this uh, South American island, 
Um, Santa hold up there, Santa Prisca. And so he takes Alfred along with him, uh, to go survey the, the land and Alfred, you know, the, the, the bad guys blow up the plane Mm -hmm. and Alfred gets captured and stuck out in the water with ankles a bleeding. So the sharks can come and Batman fights them off. Not with shark repellent, but with his bare hands and a pointy stick. Mm Mm-hmm. The part about getting Alfred, the part about getting Alfred involved in this is really the part where I'm like, oh, come on. Why do you have to put Alfred as the damsel in distress? Really? That's the part? (laughs) That's the part. After Batman is, 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 he's driven mad by the drowning of a cute little eight-year-old, and he starts taking these super pills, throws the refrigerator through a brick wall onto escaping criminals. Then These he are toxes super himself pills. in a cave for a month without so much as an iPod. And that's the point where you lose it. Yeah. What did you think I was doing between 2000 and 2001? <laughs> you were, I was trying to. <laughs> <masturbating>. was trying <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. In a cave for in 30 cave. days. <laughs> it's the only way I could kick I mean, the habit. Seriously. If. This is supremely goofy stuff. No, there is. And, and that's what I, I said. There's goofy and I know goofy comics. Turns out that uh, if, if, uh, if Alfred is to live or if, uh, you know, Batman is to live, they tie him up or not tie him up. They put him in this uh, prison cell and it starts to fill up with water. And the only way Batman can get out is if he takes the pills in three days, he'd be strong enough to lift the 800 pound door. And what does Batman decide to do, Rodrigo? He decides to not take the pills, and he figures out a way to do it anyways. With his brain, with not his muscles. Brain mind. Not with his illegally substanced up muscles. He has the strength of a bear that has the strength of two <laughs> bears. <laughs> he figures out a way to, to Jimmy open the door. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, at one point, he's like, oh, I sure hope I have enough weight on this, because Jimmy if I don't, I can't get under the water to dig up more rocks. Well, he puts his weight on it, and the door opens up. Why don't you just wait until the water drains empties out, out drains the out, door. and then, if it wasn't heavy enough, you could go and dig up some more rocks. But, you know, he does a cool Batman thing and jumps right. out before the door closes. Well, and, and, and again, it's because Batman is Batman. Right. So instead of like doing the sensible things, like I'm gonna try to jump through it, <laughs> I'm gonna try to make this make this yellow thirty <laughs> foot jump in water before an eight hundred pound door slam shut. Uh, Ma- Master Bruce, I'm fairly shut certain, up, Alfred. I know what I'm doing. I'm, We've had this conversation before. I'm fairly certain that that yellow light is going to turn red at any moment. No, <laughs> I'm going for it. Oh, Batman gets out. It Did turns anybody out else the... catch the really creepy, creepy line that the professor has? Which one? The guy has they, nothing they, but creepy lines. When they have Batman lines. caught, they're like, let's pull his mask up. No. No. He'll yes. remove the mask, and it will be like a woman surrendering her virtue. I'm like, did you just... No, they Is write the him up. Deflower the yeah, he's a he's a racist he a, and misogynistic. Oh. Yeah, and, yeah. He's just over the top bad guy. He is like, like you know, the general comes off as the militaristic bad guy that you see in the movies, but this guy is the worst kind of human. He's worse than the the wacky gimmicky bad guys that you see in the Batman universe. This is somebody that could be very real mm-hmm. and could be that evil. Right. 
to the point where he's not going to give up the formula for the drug. So the the general basically ties him up and starts torturing him to get the formula and records it all on the tape so that when Batman busts in and the general takes his super soldiers and tries to kill Batman, the doctor escapes, plays back the part of the tape where um, the Venom formula is kicked into these soldiers so they'll obey and and basically mind warp them so that they will obey anything that the general says. And the general says something on the tape like, kill me! And his son goes and kills the general. And then the doctor, I think, escapes or gets put away or now, something. The doctor, the doctor takes Batman's pills oh, yeah, yeah, that's to right. become stronger, but that's they right. make him stupid and he dies. Yes, he went raving mad in the hospital and three days later died. Um, the end. Oh, Batman learned a valuable, le- valuable lesson. We learned a valuable lesson about not doing drugs. <sighs> and we and get set up for this chemical. Silly ass comic we get set up for this chemical called Venom that three years later would not appear until three years later Venom. in The Vengeance of, of uh, Bane, in which Venom, at the very same island in the prison, is exposed to this substance, forced to, to do it as an experiment, gets these amazing muscles, and then we uh, get the introduction of Bane. So really, Bane's origin starts in hmm. Legends of the Dark Knight, Venom. Art-wise, love the art. It's pretty solid. I thought the art was really good throughout. Matthew, what do you think of the art? Yep. Oh, I love the art. Uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, uh, Ramon A. Goldberg, however many names he has, is one of my super, super favorites. Trevor Von Eden is actually a really good layout guy, but when he mm-hmm. when he draws alone, I have issues with his art. He did a run on Green Arrow back in like 82 where I just kind of went, meh. But together... This is some really, really well put together stuff. All of the battle sequences where Batman is fighting the giant are really yeah. great, and the sequence where they where they kill the child is not horribly over the top. No, it's it's not. something where you're just like, oh wow, that. I mean, but it's not like it's not as terrible as the on panel drowning of a child could have been. Mm-hmm. It comes across as almost almost restrained if you can say that about you know murdering a child on panel there are a lot of points where the art really saves the over-the-top goofiness of the story for me especially you know the points where i've come out of the cave alfred yeah uh don't mind the beard it was left over from halloween you know (laughs) there are points where the art is the only thing that keeps me in this story excuse me i have hiccups now do you remember that? Uh, and uh, Garcia Lopez is one of the most underrated guys at DC. What was that prestige format Captain America origin reboot from around that same period? Do you remember what that was? It was like the Adventures a, of Captain America. I don't think it Kevin may have McGuire been Kevin Maguire picture. Or oh, is that who was doing that one? Was Kevin Maguire? Because this, for some reason, seemed to remind uh-huh. me. And again, it happens to be in that Timmy uh, Timmy vein of. Man, this reminds me of that Captain America. There's there's a definite vibe here um, with the Lopez inks that do give me kind of a, a definite Kevin Maguire type feel, a similar vibe. That Captain America series, I think, if we're talking about the same one. Yeah, Captain America, it's a Sentinel of Liberty. That's the one. So, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's the Adventures of Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. It was a square bound book with an embossed cover. Yeah, it was the prestige yeah, format. The ones where they could charge you 14 bucks for a 
forty page book. I think we reviewed that, didn't we? Ooh, if no, 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 we've not reviewed that one. Although we should have, because it's actually pretty good for a for a reboot or you know retelling of the origin story. Chuck it pops. That Captain America DVD will be coming out eventually. Chuck into the box. All right. There we go. Adventures of Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. Four books. Um, What did you not like, Rodrigo? I read the original. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, so we're talking about Venom real quick. Sorry to distract you. Uh, I read these in the original issues because I love this is one of the first series that I got hooked on. And I loved it. And um, I remember reading this and going, oh, okay, so this is pretty powerful. This is pretty good. And then when I got to three years later, the Bane story, I was like, wait a minute, Venom, I know this story. I know what's going on here. Uh, This was probably the first time that I actually went back into my back issue bins and found that series of Venom and reread it again and again a couple times ago. Okay, look what they did over these over this three year period. So that's what I like about the story. But what what is not to like about the story, Rodrigo? I thought that a lot of the time the connections between the awesome scenes are very tenuous, very mm-hmm. thin. Mm-hmm. I think that the only way that this story actually works is if you see it as those the the doctor set Batman up yeah. from the very beginning right. by killing his own daughter and mm-hmm. everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But it was a cave in, so he would not really have been able to know how big of a rock would have fallen down. Right, right. You know, the he might have been able to calculate the, the total tonnage of, of rock, but if they were all smaller rocks, Batman would have been able to move them. Right. Right? So that that already is a is a weak thing. Um why the like he doesn't know who Batman is. Why is he testing this stuff out on Batman? On Batman. Right. Like right. a completely unknown quantity. Probably the answer to that lies in a previous uh book of Legends of the Dark Knight where um we get the introduction of Hugo Strange, who everybody in the Legends of the Dark Knight, really a lot of the villains are like, Well, let us figure let's let's test this Batman. Let's test this person that's getting Mm -hmm. a lot of attention. Is he good? Is he bad? What are his capabilities and powers? We see Hugo Strange go all wacky because he becomes obsessed with uh, Batman to the point where he becomes Batman. Right. Um, I think it is just this. Here's something new. Let's focus on it. Let's put our attention to it. And if there is somebody that is a crime fighter, that's a rogue crime fighter, who better to test this drug on to see if we can bring him into alignment onto our side than to test the drugs on Batman. But yeah, you're right. It is yeah, right. It is a little... And, and granted, later on in the book, you realize that this scientist, aside from the fact that he can make magic drugs, is not a very good scientist because he like doesn't use control well, groups and stuff like <laughs> well, that. Yeah, that. But I mean, I, I'm going to say that designer drugs, even in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, are a pretty illegal business. Yeah. Because he's not in a research lab. He's doing this out of his home. So Batman should have known right. something was up. Right. So, yeah, I agree that the Batman's not the smartest. uh, It's it's all all the connections between all the really awesome scenes in between here. Like the guy going like, well, I I think that my daughter lived a happy life. Yes. And I was like, well, she died in a pretty horrible way. Mm, So she did. So she did. (laughs) You know what I do? I got some pills. Come on, let's go. uh, So so it's like here are two great scenes, right? This this creepazoid not being bothered about his daughter dying and pop your pills pill head right 
and but the the transition between them is just like <laughs> any who yeah. you want like some I drugs, said, Batman? Like I said, hey this Batman, is, you want to f- do that though? Yeah. Like I said, this is a very as I reread this, you know, what is it, fifteen years later or whatever mm-hmm. it is. This is very after school special kind of you Batman. You want to fight this shark, Batman? But it's but I think it's powerful, Matthew. What is not to like about this this issue or this arc? <laughs> Besides all the hemming and the, hu- the problem and the with this and the arc for me, it's Batman, and everybody knows I hate Batman as much as I hate Wolverine. Oh. I love Batman, and I love well done Batman as much as any comic books in the known universe. <laughs> One of the first books that I ever wanted to buy was a well done Batman book. Now, the problem with this book is this is Nigel Tufnell's Batman, and everything is turned up to eleven. And you cannot look at this and, and uh, honestly, as much as I love comics and as much as I love over the top whack jobbery, and I, I do, I'm a Fletcher Hanks fan. You can't read this story with a straight face. You cannot go through here and say to yourself, yes, this is a good Batman tale. This is good dramatic Batman. No, it's really, really. It, it's this is the comic book equivalent of a garage band covering stairway to heaven with three bass players this is loud and it's brash and it's over the top and the points where you you know you kind of expect that that something subtle could be happening it it, it comes up and goes Rock on! screaming at the top of the nose. i know it's and great it isn't it shark. it's awesome hey! batman fights a shark <laughs> And he doesn't use Batman f- shark, shark repellent. He uses Batman his Batman fights fists. a shark after Batman gets hooked on Stimutax. After Batman, you know, goes through all of this stuff. It's uh, like Rodrigo said, there's not a whole lot of through line <laughs> other than Batman learns that drugs are bad. It's like that Punky Brewster episode, the Halloween episode where all of her friends are terribly murdered. And then at the very end, we're like, oh, and by the way, it was all just a Halloween gag. And I'm like, wait, what? How did, what, what? I just watched eight year olds being killed on television and you're telling me, oh, it was all a dream, a horrible dream. What? I I, liked it. I say, pick it up and read it. The biggest complaint I have about Venom is do not expect subtlety. No, you're not. It's Batman. Batman's anything but subtle. Rodrigo, final thoughts. Um, We've uh, we've we've discussed uh, the 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 sheer size of of Batman's character, right? That is to say, how many Batman there actually are, right? Um, Venom shows you a Batman who doesn't have it completely together, mm-hmm. um, but still has plenty of what I will say is the uh, we did it with our masks on attitude, right? Um, <laughs> it made it better. Yeah, it made it so much better. It's like, Master Bruce, you want to go to a doctor? No, mask on. <laughs> oh, that's that's quite a beard you grew there over a month, Master Bruce. I'm Batman. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I just testosterone in my little finger. I just give my <laughs> afternoon <laughs> shave today. He is Batman. I am Batman. Pick it up, skip it. Um, I think that Legends of the Dark Knight as a whole reads well together and you can pick and choose the 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 stories and the situations and that you think make the most sense right right right. and and you like best as part of the batman canon so if you're gonna pick up a bunch of uh legends of the dark knight then yes 
picking up this one specifically only if you really want to see the first appearance of quote unquote Venom. And that's the that's the other thing that kind of is, is weird. They never refer to it as Venom. No. The story's called Venom. Right. And then when finally they bring it up later on, they're like, oh, well, it was in that story, so this mm-hmm. drug is called Die Hard. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Run, Venom, run! <laughs> Matthew, final thoughts. Look out, it's Jaws. If you are a Batman fan, this is probably a good story. Yeah, if a you good story. are a, a fan of really, really loud, play it at the top of your lungs, rock and roll comics. This is probably a good story for you. I don't know if you want to go into this blind. And I'm not saying it's a bad book. By no means is this a bad book. It's really well drawn. And even the parts that don't make sense don't make sense in a kind of fun Denny O'Neill kind of way. It's not... I don't know how to put it. It came out at a time frame when I had a Watchman and uh, Dark Knight Returns and uh, Miracle Man or part of a Miracle Man to compare with. It came out at a time when there were a lot of really well-written, literary, believable, even believable in their ridiculousness, like Miracle Man comic books out there. And 20 years down the line from that, this really comes across as a Christy McNichol after cool after school special where batman learns you know the the horrors of drugs i never in this story found anything that explicitly said that the doctor and general slaycroft general slaycroft because that's a name that just inspires loyalty right there slaycroft that they actually did this so i was you know i went through this book going wow this is really really it felt very contrived for me I would say it's a look into it. If you enjoy it, buy it. I would say that there are buy on site Batman stories. There are buy on site Legends of the Dark Knight arcs. This ain't one of them. Uh, This is a fun book. I enjoyed every moment of this book just because of it is over the top. It is, in a sense, ridiculous. Uh, It is Harry over the head with a moral, but what after school special isn't right what psa from nancy reagan isn't yeah what, but but in that what but in that hey sense, we're not those other guys where juicing your superhero up is a good idea that's, company that's not that's not what you're <laughs> buying when you buy a batman comic though uh, it's got violence it's got detective it's and, got and, and batman being not not uh, perfect and that's fine and see those those aspects of it are fine yeah. i think the uh in in the end, the don't do drugs aspect of it comes across a little loud, which you know I, I didn't mind too much because that's 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 the story right there. Right, right, right. Batman does drugs and doesn't work for Batman. Like right. you can just read it that way. It's like this Batman. may have worked for someone else, and three years later it will, and it'll kill Batman. Right. But um, drugs. Batman tries drugs. Drugs don't work for Batman. Tomorrow. Yep. Batman tries car. Car don't work <laughs> for Batman. <laughs> Batman, tr- Batman tries all beef franks. Batman likes those. <laughs> Batman. All right, everybody. There you go. There you go. I had fun with it. Uh, maybe you will, too. Go check it out. I'm sure you can find it at your local library in the Do Not Do Drugs section. Batman tries the Ionic <laughs> Breeze Quadra. Yes. Batman's lungs clear up. <laughs> That's a good the Bose Wave Radio. 
next week. I think somebody requested this because I went out of my way to go track down a copy of the trade. Age of Apocalypse, book one, written by many this people. This is the dawning of the Age, age of, of Apocalypse, Apocalypse, book one. And I think this one covers like 15 different issues. We're covering it next week on the show. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This has been a Major Spoilers podcast Copyright 2011 Goodbye See you on the next show